Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today, to change a little bit, I'm with Mark. How's it going, Mark? Going good, once again, thanks. Yeah, it's like, it's like I think we are like the... The duo in that industry that will have made the most podcasts together. I was actually backing up the podcast yesterday because it seems like SoundCloud is in a little bit of financial trouble. And we've actually done 91 podcasts so far, so there's a big 100 number coming soon. If anyone has any ideas for what to do for our 100th podcast, we're trying to think of something special to do, then send us an email or uh, hit us up on Facebook. and uh, Send an email to Mark because my email is a bit of <laughs> We're like... The worst birthday people, right? We're like we're horrible at like surprise parties and events and stuff like that. So if you have ideas, tell us what to do. But yeah, the 100 podcast is coming in. Uh, well, eight episodes from that one actually. So we need to think of something because it's been actually quite a while that we started now. And today, let's just jump into the topic right away. No transition. We are talking about something that you know might look like a, a clickbait title because there's kind of that joke of like all these oh my god seo is dead articles we were going to talk about email marketing and we're going to ask is it dying and we're not saying it's dead it's still working but we think it's definitely losing speed in the current state of technology and how people use the internet and how they interact with it and so on while at the same time still being a very very powerful medium to drive sales as we're going to talk about but i personally believe that it's losing speed a lot and Email marketing is not something that's been growing lately. And, and a lot of people that actually run websites, and we did run a poll on the Authority Hacker Pro community to you know, ask questions. And like I was uh, hanging out with a few people with big email lists in the last uh, few weeks. And you know, they were all like kind of complaining a little bit and saying it's a little bit more difficult and so on. And so let's just go through all these things. So actually, I think like the way we prepared the notes, Mark, I'm going to be the one that says email marketing is dying, and you're the one that's going to say, no, it's great. <laughs> So I'm going to say, I'm going to go a little bit more in detail. What I think is definitely not doing super well right now. <clears throat> we do these one-on-one calls with uh, Platinum members when you buy HPro. And many times I end up just reviewing people's sites and just tell them what I would do if it was my site. And, you know, while maybe a year and a half ago, a year ago, a lot of people were like, you know, trying to build email lists as well. I'm not saying that everyone was successful, but a lot of people were trying. Today, when I see websites, most people don't even try. They're just like right away going for the review type sites essentially everyone's doing review sites essentially or trying to make on-page sales that can be done through tutorials and so on but essentially you know people land from google read the, the article click on their feeling buy you don't you never get them to come back again and then your growth is based on you ranking better on google basically that's the business model 90 percent of people go after and to be frank we're a little bit uh, responsible for that because that's the model we show in the authority system, and it does work, right? But in Pro, we actually talk about like something like 30% of the blueprints are about email marketing, right? Whether it's about collecting emails or sending emails or selling to your email list, that kind of stuff. And these people don't really do much email marketing at all. So I was like, I asked on the Pro group this week, I was like, hey, why don't people do email marketing right now? And uh, I got a bunch of answers from a bunch of people. Some of the arguments I got was, one, I tried and I couldn't get people to opt in, so it failed and I just gave up. That was actually pairing with Hip Hop, so 
since that site is public, I can say about that. Yeah, it didn't work very well for him. I even set up a pop-up for him. It didn't work out. He didn't keep going. That's probably his mistake here. But yeah, he just was like, yeah, I can just like put on-page sales and that's easier and faster. And that was the second argument. The third one was a lot of people were like, oh, it doesn't work in my niche or there's no info products or high commission products to sell. Uh, I'm mostly monetizing with Amazon and Amazon doesn't allow email marketing. Uh, yeah, that's true. But le- sometimes I feel like people are not necessarily like researching their niche enough or they don't even know that their affiliate programs don't outreach to product companies and so on. Another one that was interesting is someone said, I don't feel that I am expert enough to talk directly to people in my niche. And I definitely feel that's a, an issue with email marketing is you actually get to like put sign your name and sell to people directly versus, you know, writing a blog post. And it's like, well, if you land on it, then you wanted it, you know? Yeah, it takes a while to kind of get comfortable, get used to it, because, you know, most people and I ourselves included when we first started, you know, we're not naturally like salespeople and we're not really good at talking to 50,000 people and getting them to buy something. Uh, and a lot of the material you, you read about how to word, for example, sales emails, it can feel a little bit unnatural and like n- not as if it's coming from your own voice. So I think there's definitely like a kind of learning curve there in like getting comfortable with the, the way you communicate with people uh, when there's like a, a, a sale in mind. Yeah, I agree. It's like... I feel you feel like you talk like a car salesman, you know, always yeah. make that like sissy car salesman <clears throat> joke. But and the truth is, I hate that language, but it works. I've <laughs> actually gotten a lot more comfortable with it now. Uh, I mean, obviously, there are still some things which are, you know, it's, it feels a bit like not something I would naturally say. But at least with Authority Hacker, I don't think it doesn't feel like we're being disingenuous anymore. Whereas to start with, it kind of did. What do you mean anymore? Well, I don't think you ever lied. I mean, I, it's the disingenuous part, right? Sorry? Like, it's, you're just saying, like, it didn't feel like it was a initial... It didn't feel yeah. like it. I'm not saying we were. Uh, okay, just, okay. Because like, okay. uh, it, it, it takes a while to get used to kind of the the language, the sales language, you know what I mean? And I think naturally most people who are, you know, building websites, getting into internet marketing, they tend to be a little bit more introverted as opposed to, you know, the general public or like a group of car salesmen, say. So I think there's definitely, that's why it, the, the community as a whole kind of leans a little bit uh, uh, away from it. But I think that's wrong because there's like, we've had amazing success with, with email marketing in, yeah. in certain sites uh, at certain times. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, and not just in online marketing, right? We've made it work in health and everything, so... Yeah. It's not just like, oh, we're teaching people how to make money online and that works in online, making money online only. No, we've done it in weight loss and other issues and it's worked as well. So another one is email traffic is not converting for me or I don't know how to monetize it. So I think that goes together with like it doesn't work with my niche. I think just people don't know what to sell to people. And I think people, one issue that people have is that they only look for products directly related to their niche, right? Whereas... With email, you can, I mean, you can go a little bit broader. So like, you know, if I really wanted to, right, I'm sure we could sell pet insurance or something on the health ambition niche. Like, we'd just be like, hey, you're living a healthy lifestyle. How about your dog? And then we'd just say, hey, just like there's this new pet insurance contract that just came out, blah, blah, blah. And like, I wouldn't feel like it's, it's not related to health ambition, but it would be probably related to the demographic. So I think... 
one thing that people don't understand when it comes to selling to an email list is you don't necessarily have to just sell stuff that's directly in your niche. Obviously, that's going to work a little bit better. But you can also sell stuff that's related to the demographic of your niche. So in our case, we have like women of like in their 40s, like late 30s, and they have kids and they have dogs and they have houses. And if there's any offer related to that, then we can email it to them as a recommendation. And it's still okay to yeah. do that. I think uh, another good example of that in in practice is actually uh, our friend Clayton. He runs the blog Spartan Traveler. It's basically just a travel blog. But he actually promotes the Authority Hacker products fairly regularly. And, you know, his his blog has nothing to do with online marketing or, you know, making money online or, or anything like that. It's, it's more of a traditional kind of travel blog. But he always makes, you know, affiliate sales and gets people to sign up just because the demo. He does all right, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, for the size of his list, which is r- relatively small compared to some of the big guys, he, he does actually pound for pound probably better than than a lot of them just because you know he has like the trust and like the people really follow him plus the demographic there's such a big overlap between the type of people that kind of maybe want to live that lifestyle and you know are also looking to start an online business so that's i think why it works so well yeah so i mean that's something i think a lot of members just haven't internalized yet and finally the last argument is, is just too much work it's messy it's a lot of work and this i don't really have a counter argument it is a lot of work it's like especially it's something they need to learn right versus something like like a lot of these people are making at least four figures a month i think where this really comes in is actually all of the points which you've, you've listed here gail they, they kind of all overlap in in a way and i think this one too much work kind of underlines all of them you know, when parents said he tried and he failed, yeah. so he gave up. That's kind of like the same thing in a way. It's like it's too much work. But I think the reason for that is because it's very, for some of the other like traffic sources, monetization methods, it's very easy to like pick a system, pick someone else's system and just replicate that. And us as internet marketers, we're, we like doing that. It's easy. We don't have to think. We just copy, copy paste right? We're systems people, or most people are anyway. But with email marketing, there's like that extra step of kind of like finding your voice with your specific audience, which is a lot of trial and error. And I mean, if you take someone else's email templates, like the digital marketer, what was their... Um, the, machine. the machine the machine yeah really great, good product great product i love yeah, the product highly yeah. recommended actually um <laughs> it, it really it kind of got us started in email marketing uh a while back actually but in their course they actually have a number of templates for you know like segmentation and like the welcome sequence for example yeah. like what happens when someone first signs up we're still running a kind of a list. variation of that and, and actually in their product they give away these templates that here's a template welcome sequence and what most people, the mistake most people make, and I include us firmly in this category as well, is they take those templates and they literally use them. Like they, they don't really edit them too much aside from, you know, putting your name at the end and uh, a little bit about your your site, which will obviously be different. But it's, it's kind of like replicating it. And it's not that these templates don't work. I mean, they do clearly work for digital marketer or for whoever created it. It's more that it's not really in your own voice and that can kind of, or, or that will kind of feel, not to you, but to your audience, like it, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It just doesn't really click and it feels a bit kind of disjointed when someone someone does that. 
So I think that's the mistake a lot of people make. They don't take the time to kind of iterate and find their voice, as it were, with, with this stuff. Yeah, that's especially true when you're like blogging yourself, you know, you write in your own voice when you blog. Yeah. Then the emails are like templates, you know, yeah. and it just like it just feels just not the same person wrote them because, well, not the same person wrote them. Uh, yeah, that's pretty well. But like we did make that mistake. I think we still run like some inspired templates from that on Atari Hacker. It is on my to-do list to redo it, but I am working on big projects as well. So once again, time actually. It's too much yeah. work. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, it's like I'm, I'm literally just making the same excuse as the members. So, But there's also, that's not the only thing that's getting on the way of email, right? So that's, you know, how it feels to members. But one thing that has changed as well is technology. So if you think about email marketing, when we started online marketing, let's say like seven, eight years ago, the argument for doing email marketing, if you remember, was... Well, it's the only way to stay in touch with your one-time visitors to get them come back, right? That was the argument. That was Aweber eight years ago. However, things have changed, and a lot of the internet has changed. There's a lot of ways to get people back to your website now that I would say are arguably better and more reliable than email. So, for example, well, eight years ago, I mean, the iPhone is 10 years old this year. So eight years ago, most people did not have smartphones. But now everyone has a smartphone and they read your, your email on their mobile, right? And what happens is they get a notification, hey, there's a new email. They click on it or not. And actually the email app gets to choose whether they want to cho- show the notification for your email or not, which sometimes it doesn't. And then they open the email. If it's a long email on mobile, it's like it's infinite scrolling to get to a call to action. And then they click, and then they get to your website. Well, nowadays, you can just do push notifications, and there's a there's a notification that you control that gets on people's phone, and then you double tap on it, and then directly you're on the call to action page. Mm-hmm. And that is a better way to get your mobile traffic to come back to your site than email. So the promise is broken on the mobile level already. Now, there are like other new ways to get people back as well, for example, Messenger bots, are get, uh, Facebook Messenger bots are getting really big right now. And the open rates are extremely high. Uh, the clicks rates are extremely high. Now, once again, it's also because these technologies are newer and not everyone uses them. The day everyone uses them, you know, they might get in line with email. I think there's a slight, uh, something else going on here. So I recently encountered a Messenger chat bot when I booked a flight on the Dutch airline KLM. And it was uh-huh. awesome. Uh, it was really useful. You know, they'll send you a, a message in Facebook when you book the flight, but also when it's time to check in, which I, I find really helpful. And of course, they try and, you know, upsell you exit row seats and whatever else, bags and stuff like that there. So, you know, there's a financial thing going on there. But I thought it was really cool because I've noticed this thing going on these days where, okay, so for work, still the primary means of communicating with people, at least outside of the company, would be email. Inside, we, we usually use Slack. But for personal it's hardly ever a case when I'm, yeah. I'm choosing to email people. It used to be, I remember way back in the day, like, you know, look, hey, is someone on MSN Messenger? If so, then we you maybe chat with them. But if not, we'll just email them. Or if you're on holiday, you want to email your mom, you know, or you want to get in touch with your mom, email her, of course, because she's not going to reply straight away. But now with Facebook 
messenger whatsapp it's now even if you know someone's not going to reply initially you'll use that as the communication thread there's no like when was the last time i ever emailed you personally to ask you a question (laughs) or something like seven never maybe i don't think we've ever done it you know we always had skype at least i would say yeah so Um, so i think because of that what you find as well that like most or fewer emails are, you know, of a, of personal nature, and most are, are more and more kind of promotional. So really, the only only time you're kind of using my personal email is, you know, if you're buying something off Amazon to, you know, check the tracking number or you know, like a flight or some something like that tends to be the use case in the majority of situations. And so, you know, I kind of give it less significance, you know, come back from holiday and there's, you know, 400 emails in my inbox. I'm much more likely just to mark them all as red rather than, you know, actually. That's a really good point, actually. Like, I I don't really, I mean, I'm bad at my email in general. You don't even have a personal email anymore. I do, actually. Just nobody knows it. Okay. (laughs) Because otherwise it's going to get spammed as well, you know. I do have one that like, like 10 people know. But <laughs> glad to glad I'm not part of yeah, that circle. Yeah, yeah, then. Thanks. You were 11th, you know. <laughs> if one more person gets it, you get it, you know. All right, uh, all right. No, it's just we don't talk your email. Yeah, it's a good point. It's like you do tend to ignore your emails more and more as the number of emails has increased because well, everyone was like, oh my god, email marketing, email marketing. So everyone's trying to sell you stuff on there. And at the same time, like the the personal stuff, the useful stuff. It's as if Facebook was like going from. I mean, that's what's happening, but from like the initial stuff from your friends to like 75% ads and 25% from your friends. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening to email. And that's why I guess people care less. Well, well actually, it kind of yeah. works in stages because that's what's happened to your newsfeed now. Um, yeah. But not to your messenger, right? That's still, if someone sends you a message, you pay attention. It's going to be one of your friends. It's not, it's not uh, the chances of it being, you know, authority hacker trying to sell you something or, pretty low like i think it's only happened a few times that I, I get messenger bots trying to trying to sell me something but i'm sure that will increase over time and i'm sure it'll what you mentioned before gail about like you know it being something new i'm sure that will you know messenger bots will start to become a little less effective o- over time as email has as push notifications have as most things have yeah so as usual we're completely off track for all the notes but Another way to like get people back to your site, like the original promise of email, is retargeting. And I find retargeting gets us more clicks these days. Obviously, it depends how much you spend, right? But um, like on your new blog post, I spend like 30 bucks maybe on Facebook retargeting to like get it in front of people that have been reading our sites regularly. And with 30 bucks, it does happen that I get more clicks from retargeting than I get from email, right? So once again, another technology that kind of challenges email into the, its initial promise of staying in touch with your visitors. And retargeting is amazing for desktops. So on one end, you have, you know, you have push notifications for mobile, and you can, retargeting for desktop works really well as well. And finally, like the most obvious one, social media. Social media is essentially a way to stay in touch with people who want to follow you. It's not as powerful if you don't pay for it. But it, it kind of challenges email. So like all these things together, they're really like eating, you know, market share of the stay in touch with your visitors. That email was the only one to own maybe a couple of years ago only. So that's, I think, a big challenge for email. And I would argue like that if we were really caring about sales, let's say we have to do an H-Pro launch and I can only pick one channel, I would pick retargeting actually. I would pick retargeting over email. Really? Yeah, I would. 
if I look at the return investment, I would like I would just spend a bit more money, but I know the the it would be more reliable. Huh. Okay. So the the only thing is like you just want to make sure your landing pages are not blocked by the ad network, which can happen depending on your topic. Like if you're in the diet stuff, if you're in the make money online stuff, etc. Facebook can be a little bit picky, but if you can go through that, then yeah, you just need to put the money in and it works really well. It's you know traffic's gonna come, you know. Yeah, but surely with the email as well, like it's all about getting that initial kind of visitor there. Like I, I take your point. Like the ROI from follow up is different, but it's not exactly comparing apples to apples there, really. It's it's a little bit. I mean, they work better together anyway, you know. Yeah. And that's something that we probably should mention at the end. But it's like I, I do like the reliability of retargeting. That maybe because of the way it's reported as well. Like email is really a hit or miss. Like some emails are just like big fails, and if some people don't open them as soon as you send it, like you get like a five percent or six percent open rate. Yeah, and, and it's quite bad. Whereas retargeting, you know, you you always get to like stop it, tweak your ad, and launch it again. You know, you have more control. Whereas email, you just press send and boom, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So in terms of damage control, you have so much more opportunities with retargeting. There's another thing I wanted to talk about, about that's challenging email still, and that's technical challenges that are coming in. So another big argument for email marketing a couple of years ago was, hey, you're going to own that channel. And if you have a Facebook page, Facebook can close your page. If you have you know, your site hosted on uh, some hosting thing, like the hosting can shut down your website. But the email list is yours. Like nobody can take it away, so it's safer. That was a big argument for email, right? However, the email client landscape has changed. Now it's just a few clients slash services that take care of 80% plus of the emails. So Gmail, Hotmail, I guess there's a few others, but like, you know, the, these are the big ones. And what they do is now they apply filters on the emails that come into people. For example, there is a promotion inbox inside Gmail now, so that all the mass-sent promo emails, they all get cluttered there. And what happens when you get to your inbox, you just click archival, goodbye, I never opened your email. And so that kills open rates a lot. And actually, you may be owning your email list, but Google is also owning their inbox and the way they display it to them. And as a result, it's just challenging the reach of email and also lately, it seems like uh, Gmail has been applying even more filters. I know that a lot of people I've talked to get their emails in spam, including us sometimes, actually, for some reason. And it's because Google is starting to apply more and more filters because they own a lot of the email pool. And they are essentially get to decide either whether your email gets to people or not, no matter whether you own the list or not. So. If you add up all these things, that's why I think email is in, in difficulty and I think it needs to find its place I, again. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, everything you said is is true. I, I think this is kind of a bit of a cyclical thing. So what I mentioned earlier for, you know, initially it was all about email. Then lots of email got a bit too commercialized. So people went over to Facebook. Now, then Facebook got a bit too commercialized. So I don't know. People went over to Instagram, then there's ads all over that now. So people went to Snapchat, and then there's ads over that. It's kind of like people are always searching for a new kind of ad-free medium. And people using different technology, obviously, but people will develop that and then grow that, get the user base, and then suddenly need to monetize that (laughs) by 
putting ads all over it and then you know the next generation people come through have the, a new tool and so on and so on and so on i'm sure like our parents probably if you ask them this you know magaz- magazine subscriptions or you know like landline telephones they'd, they'd say yeah. the same thing about it you know so yeah. you know my mom sometimes doesn't pick up when i call her because she thinks someone's gonna sell her something so yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It's definitely it's definitely a cycle, and and usually like, it's kind of nice that a lot of people think it's hard to do email because I, I have a feeling maybe it's gonna go down eventually, like the the saturation of email. The same way uh, a lot of link building tactics have worked that way. So at some point, like everyone was doing infographics, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone and their mom was doing infographics, and now it's like it's falling a little bit out of fashion, a little bit because of us. But, um, but it still works. That's the thing. It uh, works better now because people do it less. You know. Because yeah. it's fallen out of fashion a little bit. And so what I'm saying is, you know, there, there's a time where things are trendy and they spike and it's saturated. So, like, you get the lowest return from doing these things. And then the bandwagoners just jump onto the next thing. And then that thing becomes quite nice again. Mm-hmm. That has been the case for guest posting as well. Although it starts to come back a little bit. But for, it's like guest posting, it's like it got really big when we had the, when we were, when we had the agency. Then Google was like, hey, be careful. And poof, Ben Wagoners just left it and it became actually easier again. Yeah. And it's been a more stable medium since then. So I have a feeling email might go the same way, actually. But we might be at a point of saturation right now. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to tell. It seems a much more like of a longer term thing, yeah. e- email, you know, than uh, guest posting or yeah, anything like that, SEO related. So why don't you tell us when, why you think email is still amazing? So basically, when you have a product to promote, it's I think there's nothing better than, than email to do it. You know, I'm talking, I guess, in two ways. One, in the sort of evergreen sense, when, you know, someone signs up to your list, maybe you've got a lead magnet, something to offer them, and then you have an automated sequence go out that sells them something. I mean, there are few things better than waking up in the morning and having, like, a few sales emails you made two thousand dollars while you're sleeping, something like that. Just something on, like that. On, we had this, this morning. Actually. Yeah, just on this automated thing. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, recognizing that that maybe there's like a human element to saying, okay, why is that awesome? But you know, objectively, it just it, it is financially like a very profitable thing for us. It made a huge difference when we introduced that in, in Authority Hacker, for example. Similarly. When it comes to doing product launches, um, there are no other channels which can generate as many sales as uh, in a short space of time as email can. And it's not just our own email, but like when affiliates are emailing at the same time. And of course, you know, there's the other factors like retargeting, as you mentioned. It's not like one or the other. It's a complementary thing. So yeah, they go together. Emails out and then following up everyone with retargeting. It kind of the it's, it has this like symbiotic relationship almost, and just works really well. So I would, I mean, if you gave me the choice to do just retargeting or just email for the next launch, I would just do email. Maybe we should I, do that. I, we I should think, do like you run the email, I run the retargeting, see who makes most money. You know. Well, it's not really that because <laughs> if you do, if you do, if we didn't do any email. Like yeah. there, there wouldn't have that initial people to retarget. You know what I mean? Um, I would from the blog actually. Sure, sure. I I know what you mean, but like, 
they kind of they I have only the email work... list as well. You know, you can upload your email list to retarget it. Actually, okay. Well, I mean, I don't think this is a, a, a worthwhile <laughs> test to do just because of the, the risk reward <laughs> balance going on here. How much is and... that going to cost us? That test. <laughs> I, I'm more than willing to say, okay, I, I may be wrong in this if if, if that's what's at stake. <laughs> no. So, I mean, my my point is, like, when you have a launch, there's a big you want to get a lot of people, as many people to your site, to your sales page in a short space of time as possible. You've been delivering, hopefully, you've been delivering good value to these people, providing awesome content, helping them out with things, and just generally demonstrating that you know what you're talking about. And hopefully that, you know, they may want to consider buying your product, which is kind of I think that's do. a good point as well. It's like, we're just talking about mediums here, but really what matters is how good of, like how good you are at conveying your expertise, you know? Yeah. It's like it doesn't matter which medium you pick. If you, if you can't convince people, it's like they won't be convinced whether you use push notifications, retargeting, or email. Yeah, I mean, so, we spend a huge amount of time and money on providing, producing free content. This podcast is a good example of it, and I enjoy doing this as 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 much as the next person, I'm sure. But we wouldn't be doing this at, at the end of the day if there wasn't like something in it for us in the you know in the long term, and that is. I mean, it sounds like quite transactional in nature. I'm not trying to make it make it like that because it's sell out. genuinely genuinely do want to like help people here, but it, it kind of like you have to build that connection with people. You have to deliver that value to people. You can't if you just have an email list and and you're like oh sign up here and then all you're doing is saying buy this buy this buy this buy this buy this buy this. People are gonna opt out or unsubscribe or just stop. I just not care about you what you recommend. You know, even if it's on your list and. You know, one of the ways, again, going a bit off topic here, but one of the ways we, we kind of further differentiate ourselves in, in, in that sense, which for us in our own voice, I think because it, it feels like the right thing to do for us is by being like, in some cases, brutally honest with people about what's good, what you should buy, what you shouldn't buy. Like, it would be very easy for us to send out an email to, you know, 30, 40,000 people and say, hey, here's this JVZoo software or the latest affiliate course we're getting 75 percent commission you should buy it kind of thing and a lot of people i'm sure would buy it because we we have that trust but it it maybe wouldn't be the best thing for them the same way we don't promote what are they called that uh i forgot the web hosting company Bluehost. Oh, Bluehost. yeah you know i mentioned this like dozens of times on the podcast before. you know they still reach out to us to promote them despite everything we say on that podcast you know i don't think they've ever heard it i'm yet. sure it's automated but yeah <laughs> So yeah, I, I kind of forgot what my point was there. But basically, you you kind of have to deliver value, be authentic, and if there's if people have a reason to stay on your email list enough, like over a long period of time, then of course they have a reason to buy from you as well. The second point, uh, I know that was a long one, around why why you should still do email is when it comes to like actually promoting content. I mean, you mentioned this a few times, like getting that initial burst of traction. While you can do it from ads and like it totally works, works really well on, on Facebook, for example. Also by emailing it, it kind of complements that as well. So, and one thing I'm a little bit cautious of is the way we're kind of presenting this information. It's like one or the other, but th- like, yeah, it's there's, not really, there's not really anything mutually exclusive ar- around using both email and Facebook ads or retargeting or, you know. The reason we do that, that is because when we fight, we get better audiences, you know, for the podcast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, a good example is with the podcast, you know, when we email it out on a Monday as soon as it's live and we're doing the promotion as soon as it's live and it's all sort of timed and synced well. I know we didn't do that this week, but 
when we do that, it gets more views, gets more downloads, just because that like initial burst of traction is kind of the same principle or a similar principle to with the the launch when it first opens, getting that like big burst of people coming through. I think it works works very well. And again, you know, you may say, well, you know, push notifications can also do that, but I would also push back on that, saying the two are not mutually exclusive. You can do both. Uh, exactly. A real authority site should do all of these things. Too many people are focused on the. I mean, we actually say this in our beginners course, the authority site system is like focus on one traffic method and one monetization method to start with. But when your site kind of gets beyond that and you start getting some traction, then it's time to to add more things. And the the synergies you get from from doing that uh, really start to stack up quite quickly. Yeah, that's the thing is the synergies. You need this, you need this like when you build the next channel on your site, whether that's traffic or monetization, you want it to like not start from scratch, but piggyback right something you've done already so that you can grow your revenue faster. That's the point of business stacking and business model stacking that we talk about on our start here page, actually. So you guys can go and check that out. Uh, Perrin updated that recently. But it's a good transition that you've made because now that you've given all the motivational speech, let's talk about people, what people should actually do <laughs> and how I personally feel about it. I was talking with uh, Noah Kagan about this this weekend. He actually disagrees with me, but he runs Sumo, so I don't know if he, I mean, he, nobody was there, so probably not biased. But like, I personally think that email is not the first thing you should ask from people anymore. I think essentially we're getting into a world of soft opt-ins where even visiting your site is an opt-in to your retargeting list. Where, you know, you get that little browser notification that asks you if you want push notifications. Where you follow people on, on Facebook or whatever, on Twitter or whatever social media you, like they use to get their news when you're like somewhat interested but not a hardcore fan. And I think the, that's the kind of call to action you need to push in first as your main call to action. And for us, that's definitely going to be push notification plus retargeting on most of our sites. Mm-hmm. And then on these return channels, so on your Facebook page, on your retargeting ads, on your push notifications, then there you push squeeze pages. You push pages where people can opt in to download a lead magnet or something like that and get onto your email list. But that means... You get less people on your email list, but these people are going to be the most engaged people because they have soft opted in, they have clicked on that return channel, and then they have opted in. And maybe you even want two-step verification for the email as well, right? So you end up, and that's probably going to be what's going to happen on the next iteration of the Atari hacker site. So a lot of you will be happy to hear the giant puffers will probably be gone. That's probably what's going to happen. And I thing that like I still see people with like you know 40% open rate on their tiny but super filtered email list and I have a feeling that email is just that you can probably monetize heavier to these people as well because they're your hardcore fans they're the ones that want all the information for you so you're the one that the one that you can sell to and you can still sell through your other channels you can still sell through push notification you push a time limited promo that works very well. You can still sell through retargeting. You can still promote yourself on social media. It's just like the hardcore emailing. I have a feeling that since like Gmail really wants to see high engagement and same with Hotmail, etc., maybe that's what you're going to want to give to them by having that smaller curated list and use these softer opt-ins for the other stuff. At least 
that's what we're probably going to go for. So probably in practice, what that it does mean we won't be collecting email on the front end of the website, but maybe it's going to be the giant pop-up, the field, screen filler pop-up will be replaced by a hello bar type call to action, something that's a little bit less prominent on the screen, but still around. Like we still want emails, just not like we push probably these softer opt-ins stronger and secondarily we push these to these people to opt-ins as well to to real opt-ins for emails so that's how i want to go at least i don't necessarily disagree i just i i think it's not the way to think about it is not so much in terms of like a chronological thing what happens first what happens next it's more like each one is its own each one is its own marketing activity and there's overlap and you kind of need to do them all in order to work. Yeah. And actually just doing this podcast kind of made me realize that like the times when we have failed at email marketing, it's because we've kind of worked on it in isolation and haven't really uh, incorporated, you know, ret- proper retargeting or, uh, you know, even just or- organic content. It's, very, it's, very it's well a whole different skill set, you know, set at, the, at the same time. The other thing I, I wanted to say, I mean, I mentioned this a, a few times about like people kind of focusing on one traffic method, one monetization method. And, you know, that's kind of like the old kind of niche site model and it works and it's a great place to start. I think a lot of people get to the point where they decide, oh, should I double down on this site or should I just build 10 sites? And as natural systems thinkers, like online marketers are, I find increasingly going for the building 10 small sites kind of uh, approach. And while that may, you know, generate you a decent income and, you know, go travel and do whatever, it's great. I think it is worth remembering that the vast majority, like 99% of the people who are making, you know, big bucks to like six, seven figures per month, they tend to have, you know, one or several like big sites we may be guilty of sort of fueling this mentality by, you know, in our sales video for the authority site system, we talk about the wire cutter, which is a great, awesome, awesome site. Don't get me wrong. Counter example though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're like one big site, but they don't do email, you know? Yeah. They, they have one traffic and one monetization method, basically and a little bit more, but, but basically that's the, that's the business model. But 99% of the other sites who are making, you know, millions of dollars per month, they have, their own products they have you know they're engaged in all different kinds of like social media email marketing they've got like big ad budgets for cold traffic for retargeting got big content but they're doing everything and they're doing everything well and because they're doing everything it's not as if like their email marketing on its own is just amazing i mean it's it's probably pretty good if you're making that amount of money but it's because they're doing everything in synergy with everything else that it, it it works so well so I think that's just worth, worth remembering. It, it just brings stability as well, right? So <clears throat> one of the defining factors to getting big is time. Just keep working on that project for a long time and keep improving it, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you work on multiple channels, like, you know, there's always Google updates. There's, there will be email updates. There will be Facebook updates. There will be all these things that will change all the time that could shake the way you do things. But because these sites do all of it at the same time, they actually are able to reach a level of stability that allows them to have that time and have almost that guarantee that they can keep running, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think when you ask yourself the question, do I double down or do I diversify? Then the question is, what is more valuable to you? Like immediate money? Like, I guess, you know, scaling up what you're already doing is easier than figuring out a whole new skill set. 
So like, do I need more money or do I need more stability? You know, and I feel most of the time people pick more money, but those are the people that I see have to reboot their business every two years as well. Yeah. Sometimes it's worth putting more instability. Like it pays compound interest over time. It's just like, provided you can pay for your for what you need and provided you can fund your website and you have a decent life. I think most people pick money over stability and that's a mistake actually. Yep, I agree. So I guess that's all we had to say for that podcast. We do have yeah. a question which is somewhat related to this, like an ask us any question. So uh, as always, if you guys want to ask us a question, we'll read it out in the podcast. Head on over to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask. Uh, this one's from Luciano, who's a Platinum H Pro member. Says he loves your content and he finished listening to the last podcast where we mentioned that we're building new sites. I think that was the quarterly update one we did last week. Yeah. And he says it's encouraging because he's also doing the same. But he asked, what is our exit strategy for these sites? What's the optimal keep and grow timeline when considering return on investment? He's kind of like a bit of a financial guy and wants to kind of get a different opinion in terms of how to like manage his portfolio there. So, I mean, my, my response to that is like, we, we don't really have anything that's kind of like firmly defined. I mean, our portfolio of sites generates enough money to keep us more than enough money to keep us it's profitable yeah. um going plus fund new growth you know we don't have a money shortage we have a time shortage so there's not really a benefit for us to sell anything at, at the moment even if multiples are fairly decent upwards of 30x uh monthly profit at the moment i think i um, think the size we build one day they will be 50x but that's just my personal opinion yeah it's it's kind of like there was a time a while back when we we did consider selling health ambition but i'm really glad we didn't because it's worth like three times what it was back when we were kind of making that decision and you know i know hindsight's 2020 and all but it's kind of like unless you have a a requirement for that that capital or unless yeah. you're building it in such a way that you think it's unstable and maybe you know something could happen to it then there's not really any downside to, unless you have some personal situation, you know, you have a big tax bill or something that you forgot to pay. Uh, that's when we that's send the, that's when we send the JVZ email, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, our strategy, we don't really have an exit strategy. Um, we're not planning on uh, retiring anytime soon. It's just keep working, keep, keep doing more of this, keep growing, really see, see where it goes. Um, I think, yeah, I think if we have a plan for the money, then we'll consider it. What we believe is, um, I mean, what I believe personally is like, I'm looking at the way sites are valued. And right now they're only valued on like monthly income in the past six months, which I think is an incredibly short-sighted way of valuating websites. Because if you look at a site that's been like 100% white hat built that way, like the, the past six months are like just a tiny time, a tiny amount of the potential amount of time that site can generate revenue. Whereas... You know, a site that's built on PBNs, like or built on like Black Hat World Services or whatever it is, it probably it's already like 25% of its income generating time these six months, right? So the, and right now with the current brokerage uh, system, sites are valued. Two sites with the same income just built in these two different ways will be valued at the exact same amount of, of money. I think that's super short-sighted. People don't understand. I think one day there's going to be a big update penguin life from Google and like a lot of newbie buyers because the market's full of newbie buyers right now will get burnt on their investment 
And that's going to educate the buyers. And I think after that, the sites that are built the correct way will have a higher multiple. Or maybe the, the sites that are not built the correct way will tank in multiple. But there will be a difference. It just We just need one big Google update and a lot of people to get done to learn that lesson. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, that's basically it, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening and have a good summer. By the way, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. If you haven't done it, that really helps. Once again, have a good day and see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.